You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 745 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is Monday evening, and joining me for the first time in exactly a week, Robbie Callen is here. Hello, sir. Hey, bud. How you doing? I'm all right. P- people were clamoring for part two. I got I got multiple asks for part two, so I told oh, them we're told here. Them, told them it was going to come, and here, and here we are. It's time. Um, so, if you missed this last week, uh, I did a little bit of theme content. We uh, Robbie and I talked about. The 1415 team, quite a bit. I talked about that a little bit more on a solo show after that. And uh, I did some other stuff about the other good teams during the era. And uh, spoiler alert, I actually wrote something for Peachtree Hoops that's going to be up on Tuesday about the 1415 team. So if you want to dive more into that, go ahead and do that. But today, Ryan and I are going to focus on the uh, what I'm affectionately calling the Mike Woodson, Larry Drew era of Atlanta Hawks basketball. So, you know, for people that don't know this necessarily, what he took over in 2004 mm-hmm. and uh, he was the coach for six years and then Larry Drew replaced him for three seasons and Larry was uh, the lead assistant under Mike Woodson so it was basically this uh, you know kind of conglomeration uh, Larry you can you can kind of go through the uh, backstory maybe, maybe Larry uh, kind of shoved Mike Woodson out the door if you want to get uh, weird about that's it what, at least at least that's what Mike will tell you allegedly um, but regardless they were sort of you irregardless know, they, <laughs> we're talking about Larry. We're talking about Larry Drew. We got to say irregardless on this. Come on now. That is true. But uh, LD was, was on the staff, so this is basically a nine-year period where it was kind of cohesive before Mike Budenholzer took over. And the last six years, they made the playoffs. And that may not sound like much, but um, to start sort of starting us off, the Hawks were really, really bad for a lot of basically the entire time that I was in middle school and high school. The Hawks were dreadful. Correct. From the end of uh, end of the Lenny Wilkins era. All the way through Lon Kruger and Terry Stotts, um, they didn't win more than 35 games for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons in a row, and they missed the playoffs in all, in all eight seasons. So this is a very bad basketball team. Just picture that. Like, and as I was growing up, and I know as you were growing up, you're younger than me, but still close enough. Mm-hmm. Um, our entire youth, like post post those good teams with Steve Smith and DeKalb Mano's teams, yeah. that whole that whole dead era after that was the Hawks were the laughing stock of the league, basically. Oh yeah, I mean that they, they were truly, truly terrible. Um, like, pretty much. I mean, yeah, it was it was like pretty much what what the Bobcat Hornets have been. Like the same level of lows. Like that thirteen win season in Woody's first year was uh, truly terrible. It was um, my the first time I ever had season tickets for the Hawks was the. Was that <laughs> how about how about that timing? I was a uh, I was a freshman in college and I was working. Um, I kind of, I basically worked and just as a sidebar, tickets were very cheap because they were because they were really bad. But I was still a broke college student, paying for paying pay for school on my own, and I was basically working for Hawks tickets. And they went out and rewarded me with a thirteen win season. So spectacular! Uh, that was that was rock bottom. And it uh, by the way, how about this? That wasn't you know Woody Woody kept his job. That, he did. That, that that was Woody's first season on the job. Yeah. You come out, you're freshly hired, you come out, and you win 13 games, and you keep your job. So, shouts yeah. to Woodson for that. Shouts to Mike, but uh, actually, like, I think if anything, like, the progression from there kind of shows why it's silly, why anybody gets fired after one year. Yep, that's true. Especially if there's major regime changes and all, you know, like... And also why roster it, matters. That roster, was, that roster was so bad. I mean, I oh, that remember. roster was horrible. Um, <laughs> like, was, they, uh, they were just... Should we? Shall we? Yeah, let's talk about that real, real quickly to start this thing off. Just, just let people know what the roster was in let's, Woody's first me, season. They had, they had just drafted... Um, this Childress. Was Josh, Josh Smith and Josh Childress rookie season. Uh, Childress rookie being the lottery year. pick. John, Josh, John Barry. Josh was 19, which is worth pointing out. Mm-hmm. The two uh, best, the two best players slash best scores on that team were Antoine Walker, yes, that Antoine correct. Walker playing forty minutes games. a night, and uh, Al Harrington. Al Harrington. So those are your two best players. They're both power forwards, uh, mm-hmm. and you just drafted the power forward. 
and and Antoine Walker was jacking. It was those, those are no those guys. They may, not, they may not sound so bad when you say that because those, those two guys played for a long time. Antoine was a score an all star kind of player, but beyond that, the number three score on Ty the Lue. team was, was Tyloo. Tyloo. Uh, you have Tom Gugliata. Uh, Googs was on there for twenty seven games. He must he must have come in in the Walker trade, right? Uh, yeah, because yeah, that have, matches up. You have Kenny uh, Tony, Anderson. Tony for Delk was on there. Georgia Tech, Le- Tech legend Kenny, Kenny Anderson on there. Uh, you have young, oh, yeah. young Shots bad to, Boris. to Mr. Chip. Oh God, Point Boris. Young Point uh, Boris. Obina Keys. Ro- the great Ro- Royal Ivy. Uh, yeah. So it got it got dark during this time. It was really and, bad, man. And that was year one. I mean, and again, like I'm not going to spend too much time on this on this on this era, but I'm just trying to set the stage a little bit. You know, but by, by the this time is, this is how it started. Yeah, and I mean the next. There's there's a there's a linear linear progression, which is not always the case. But they won they right. won more games in five straight seasons, which Correct. is not always what happens. But they built Correct. and they built and they built responsibly. I know they had some missteps along the way. They passed on some mm-hmm. guys in the draft. I get all that. But, <laughs> Chris Paul. Yes, but it worked. I mean, they they rebuilt yeah. from really 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 which like, is the worst team in the league all the way to being a fifty three. Like that same team under the same coach in Woody's last season. They won fifty three games. So they won forty yeah. more games in that in that six year span from from year one to year six with mm-hmm. you know not not the same nucleus because you brought in Joe along the way and Al along the way, but you know Josh was there the whole time. Like that that was that was a team that built through the drafts and really just had that one that one big swing with Joe, and yeah. that was it. They just kind of built it from the ground up. I look forward to giving my stump speech on retiring Joe Johnson's number here in a little bit. Uh, you. This is something we. This is something we agree on, and also I will add Al, Al Horford to that. Um. Oh yeah, no doubt. Well. Um. You also. Al, you also know, like I'm like, I'm halfway in on Josh. Yeah, that's that's uh, too far. That's too far for me, but I get it. I, I, I know it's. It. I know it's. I. If Dikembe is up there, well, that's my argument. That's almost my whole argument with Al is that yeah, Al, Al Horford did a lot more as a as an Atlanta Hawk than Dikembe Mutombo. Oh my god, yes. Um, and, and I know Al's still playing, so this is an argument for later on. But sure, now, sure, that sure, Joe, sure. Not, not, now that Joe is retired, we can just do the Joe thing now and say it's it's, it's got to yeah, happen. Put it up it's, there. It's a lock. Put it um, up there. Number two. Make it happen uh, ASAP. That that absolutely should happen. Um, but, you know, fast forwarding a little bit to the season yeah. before they got good or before they got better. Their last non-playoff season Mm-hmm. The roster starts to look like the roster to a certain extent. Now they didn't have Al yet, which was the big piece that was missing. But that last right. team in 0607, you had Joe, you had Josh Childress still there, you had Josh Smith rounding into form, you had Marvin, you had mm-hmm. Zaza. Like that team was around. Now it would have helped if they didn't miss on Sheldon. That was a that was a big miss that gets underrated. Um, oh, still, still to this day. That that is still uh, and I will go to the mat on this. That is the worst draft pick. In the two in the two thousands for the Atlanta Hawks is Sheldon Williams. Yeah, and the worst part is like I, at the time I didn't think it was like I thought well, he was like just like a safe a safe as hell pick, right? Like he if, felt if, like if it, if, it, if it actually became safe, if he actually became the guy that we thought he was going to be, it still would have been yeah. a bad pick, but it wouldn't have been a ridiculous sure. pick. Like we would we would have been like all right, like but I think everybody thought he was one of those like lower ceiling, higher floor guys, right? And like. When you're pretty, you're like okay, like I, I see it, but the yeah, floor was not just, high. He's just the floor was not high. Uh, <laughs> we, we were wrong. Uh, I mean, on the bright side, if he had become good, they probably don't get out. True, they they would have been a lot better in 05, 06, and 06, 07. And they also they wouldn't have out. wanted to draft another big man, right? So you know that last season before they got out and before they started making the playoffs, because um, fun fact, Al Horford's made the playoffs every year every year of his career. Um, sure that, that continues to this point um, because Al's, Al's, rookie, Al's rookie year they made the playoffs. Um, but honestly, it was it was the same core. It really was the you know it wasn't the exact same team, but the gap between them winning thirty games in their final pre playoff season um, into the you know what, what is now the ten year run of playoff performances was they basically added Al and. They did some other things. I mean, they they, fi- they fixed point guard because that was the other thing that was like the gl- the gaping hole forever was point guard. Right. Bibby and even and then, they waited until mid season the following year to get Bibby. It was right. still Anthony. It was still Anthony Johnson and Ty Lue, which is right. a dark period of my life. <laughs> frankly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, was uh, was J. Craw on the 0607 team? 
Or no, they didn't, they didn't get Crawford until, I think it was 08 09. I'm looking this up now. Is that 08 might have been the part yeah. of the team that actually made the jump when yeah. they made the jump. Because he was definitely on, on 09 10. He was on that amazing team because that was the year he was just. Yes, that was, that was his best year of his career, I would argue. Because he actually yeah. was efficient. That was like the one time in his career he was actually efficient. Right. And I, lo- I love Jamal Crawford, but he is a chucker in every sense of the word. Absolutely. Um, but that year, he shot 38% from three. Yeah, he, and was that was, he was spectacular. One of the arguments for that team as the best non-14-15 team of the whole era is, you know, not only did they have the best record, but they actually, that offense was incredible. I think they were yeah. second in the NBA. I'm looking this up now. Yeah, they were second in the NBA at offense this season, which is not a small thing. No, they were they were awesome that year. And a lot um, of that was Jamal. I mean, because, I mean... The rest of the team was the same as it always was. You had you had Joe, you had mm-hmm. Josh, you had Al, all cooking and all healthy. You had Marvin mm-hmm. as as this role player, but in youth and you had a full season of Bibby, which definitely helped. But Crawford yeah. was really the guy who changed, and he played. By the way, he played thirty one minutes a game off the bench that season. Zero. Yeah, he played more, he, I mean, he played more than he played like five minutes more per than Bibby. Like he finished the season fourth in minutes while not starting a single game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Peak Jamal Crawford fashion. That's what you. Yeah. That's what you would do for Jamal. It was awesome, and that was also rookie Jeff Teague. Was rookie Jeff Teague? I think that was maybe the. I think those were the two biggest things. You had quality backup point guard play, even if he didn't play. You know, he didn't play a ton like the postseason and stuff. But uh, no, he was he was young and raw. I mean, it is what it is. But he was talented. Talented. When you have a first Fast. round pick that's a backup, that's a one position backup, that's usually fairly okay. I mean, yeah. we can jump ahead a little bit, but you know, let's talk, let's just talk about broad. No, let's go. Yeah. Let's talk about broadly that nucleus because obviously the Hawks get poked fun of for losing the first round this times, but they made the second round of the playoffs three years in a row. And yep. you have Joe, you know, Joe was the best player and the off- number one offensive guy. But I think let's talk about Josh real quick because Josh is your guy. I know that. Um, but it's always Joe now. And I think right, rightfully so. But having, sure. Josh, having Josh as your third best player is a pretty good place to be when prime Josh Smith was very, very good at basketball. Uh, still mad Josh never made an all-star team. Should have happened. Uh, I can't, was it 11, 12 or 12, 13? He should have made it. Um, but I digress. Uh, Josh was, I mean, the thing about Josh that I think gets lost is like, I'm always so impressed by his development, especially when you consider the team that he came in on. Like, there's not a lot of guys that come in on a 13 win team and like steadily get better throughout their career until they reach those prime years. Um, Cause it's hard. And it's a, it's a credit to what it's also a credit to like Woody and that staff. Like they, for, for all the, the talk about when Bud came in and wanting to change the culture and everything, like they really did create, a culture in a place that hadn't had one, like we said, I mean, for years since the end of the Lenny Wilkins era, like there just had been this vacuum of anything, even like remotely resembling an identity. Um, And, you know, we learned eventually that there was a ceiling to that identity and to that, that what they were doing. Uh, But you have to, you have to make that step first uh, and, and I give a lot of credit to Mike Woodson for, for doing that. Um, and I give a lot of credit to guys like Josh, who, who you know, Josh got the, the shot selection was always the thing that he got clowned for. And, and rightfully so. I mean, that was the one thing that, that he and I would go back and forth on in the locker room and, and have our kind of like during post-game spats, I guess. Like we would go back and forth about why did you shoot 14 jumpers when you went, you know, <laughs> six for 22 tonight and you made two jump shots and you were way better inside. Like, what are you doing? Um, but part of it was like the role he was asked to play uh, when he was kind of dropped out there at small forward. Like he used to tell me, he's like, look, like in our system, the small forward is supposed to take these shots. When I'm out there playing the three, I have to take these shots for the offense to work. And I was like, well, all right. Like, yeah, I mean, it was, it was too much. I mean, and so like part of it, part of it was like, he was at times played wildly out of position. Um, And at times it was Josh being Josh and Josh was, Josh was stubborn on that end, but he was also uh, 
also one of the smartest basketball players I ever talked to. Um, he understood the game, particularly defensively, like few others. I mean, like when, when you talk about, you know, what makes someone good at defense, there's a lot of physical attributes that they need to have. And Josh had those. I mean, he, he could jump out of the gym. He had long, long arms for a six foot eight, six, nine frame. Um, but the biggest thing to me is like some guys just know defense and it just clicks with them. And, and there's a mental side to that. That is the hardest thing for guys to learn, I think. And it, it's, I, I use this kind of comparison a couple of years ago in the draft, like the difference when you watch DeAndre Ayton playing defense and you watch Jaron Jackson Jr. playing defense, it's not that DeAndre Ayton has any of the physical tool, you know, doesn't have the physical tools that Jaron Jackson Jr. does. It's that Jaron Jackson Jr. recognizes everything that's happening a full second sooner. And so he's in the right position. He's making the right reads. He's moving better. He trusts what he sees. And that's what you have to get to. And that's the hardest thing, especially for big men, to do is learn how to make those reads. And something that always impressed me was the the progression of Josh's defense over the years, uh, because he would be the first to tell you, like, early on in his career, all he wanted to do was he chased, you know, chased shots. And he was kind of like a, a, a puppy out there and he would run around and just try to block everything and get out of position and, and learning how to balance that and, and learning uh, kind of the nuances of defense. I was always impressed by and, and And it's one of the reasons when you finally got him and Al together, because Al's the same way Al just gets it. And again, he has freakishly long arms. He has the arms of a seven foot one guy in a six foot 10 frame. And it's part of the reason why he can be a center uh, at a shorter height and why he is a center at a shorter height and not a power forward. <laughs> uh, I have to make sure I get that in there. But when you paired those two together and when you paired Al with Paul Millsap, similar, but when you paired those two together, you really saw that end of the floor take off. And you also just had, you know, we, we talked about the Billy Knight loving his length. I mean, you just, you had guys, you didn't just have guys who had physical length, but like they had really smart defensive minded guys and they had a coach that cared about that side of the ball. If you can, there's one thing you can say about Woody, he's always been pretty good at coaching up a defense. Oh yeah. They care. It's always been the thing. And he, and they got guys in. And again, this goes to the culture thing. They had an idea. And I think this is why they drafted Sheldon Williams. I think this is why they drafted Marvin Williams. They drafted guys that fit, not just a physical, you know, like archetype, but guys that cared about that end of the floor and had the physical attributes to do what they wanted on that end of the floor and it didn't work. And sometimes I think they got tunnel vision on that. But when you're trying to build a culture that that is also important to do is to really like get everybody in that room that's going to buy in. And, and sometimes they miss, but sometimes they, 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 they hit with, with guys like Josh and guys like Al. Yeah, I mean that's it's a good point, and you know, t- quickly to your point earlier about his basketball IQ, I think people will like shudder when they hear about Josh Smith and a good basketball IQ. But number one, I fully agree with you. Um, the one the one thing that you know, shot selection and stuff will drive anyone crazy, and it drove everybody crazy that they pay attention. But I'll say this about Josh: um, he was a player that a was that position, like you said. He was, I mean, anyone who watched him, like if you watched him now, not knowing anything. And I told you he was playing small forward. You would laugh because like mm-hmm. no one, no one that played the way he played would be playing small forward in the modern NBA. It just wouldn't happen. He'd be a power mm-hmm. forward in every sense of the word. And he, eventually he was, but it took him a while to figure that out. It wasn't, that's not his fault. And number two, like he just would have taken more threes and less long twos. And that was always the problem. I know he, I know he didn't shoot well from three and that's well documented. The problem though was long twos. Like the season that he got so much positive press for was the nine ten season when he stopped shooting threes. And everybody's like, oh, that's great. He stopped shooting threes. But the problem was he was just taking 19 footers instead. And like, it couldn't help you to not shoot that shot. But the problem really was the long twos more than the threes with Josh. He just liked to be, he liked to shoot jump shots. It's okay. My, my, my favorite media day moment ever was uh, Josh coming in. I think it was maybe 12, 13 uh, media day. He came in and proudly proclaimed that he was going to stop taking threes and you could call him mid-range shoddy. Oh, God. And I remember, uh, I think it was Bo and I just looked at each other and both just kind of like grabbed our forehead like, oh, no. 
It was that, hilarious. That, that was not, that was not the solution. The solution was not more long. Sol- right. And it was, it was hilarious. And like, I loved it as a quote. Uh, but also we were like, oh, this could be a disaster. He was actually really good that year. That was one of his best years, but. No, he um, was, and the thing is, he was still really good for like a six, seven year period. He just was. He was a really, really good fringe all star player for mm-hmm. that long. And the defense is what it what it was what it is. It's not all about block shots, but this is a guy who was playing a lot of small forward that averaged two point one blocks per game for nine seasons in Atlanta. <laughs> like, yeah, that's I mean, he he was incredible. I mean, he he really was on that end. He moved so well. He was so fluid laterally, and and you know he was the ultimate. I mean, like the thing is, I think it's funny if Josh Smith came in the league, the exact same player he was in two thousand. Uh, 2004 if he was drafted in 2014 like I think he'd be a completely differently used and better uh, deployed player and much more appreciated for sure Uh, and he also like he he didn't know how to shoot no I mean nobody ever really worked on him shooting yeah I mean as as a youngster yeah, I mean, I was in the same high school class as Josh, and not that we were friends or anything, but I watched him play a ton. And he was someone who was clearly an athletic freak and always was, but this is not someone who was taking jump shots as a high school player. He, it's very no. clear. You could, even, even as a rookie, like he didn't really shoot the way he would later, and I'm sure they wanted him to, or he wouldn't have kept shooting, and there's something to having some gravity, but... Just his shooting form early on, you could tell he was not a well-schooled shooter. The old, the old catapult? Yeah, it was not. I mean, I think eventually he would have been someone, if he came along now, that would have been, either they, either they would have remade his shot or they would have told him never to shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, also, like, he would have, if he grew up playing ball where guys well, are yeah, allowed to shoot. Because he, he would have shot more. You know, like, I, and I think it's, it, you know, he's kind of the guy I think that, and I, 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 I don't know. Like, I think he could have been a decent shooter if he, like I said, like grew up shooting at all. Like you said, like, I mean, yeah. like, and he didn't need to, I mean, he was the freakiest athlete possible. And so he just got to the rim and like, no, when you're, that's when you're great, six, eight, but, six, nine, two twenty, and you can jump like that. You don't have to be able to shoot to dominate. Uh, not in high school. No, not in high school. But, uh, yeah, no. So like, I, I think, look, there. I'm not. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that Josh Smith's a Hall of Famer. Uh, Joe Johnson. We can have that discussion. Seven-time um, All Star, baby. Seven-time. Uh, but also the second best player in Atlanta franchise history. I venture to say. Uh, Joe. Y- y- Atlanta. You could, I, you could certainly argue it. I think it would. He'd probably be the choice. Uh, you could argue Al. Um, you could argue. That's probably it. I think it's between mm-hmm. those two guys in mm-hmm. Atlanta. I mean, you, you could argue maybe John Drew if you want to go back there. Um, but yeah, it's Neek and everybody right. else, obviously. There's, there's yeah, for sure. Gap. There's a big gap. Um, yeah, and, uh, no, maybe Trey Young will catch these guys at some point. Um, but uh, yeah. Long way to go. Joe, Joe certainly, if you look at the uh, the old basketball reference, whatever the win share list is. <sighs> It's it's Bob Pettit, of course, who doesn't really count in this discussion, and right. then it goes to Neek, and then after that, it's like Al and Mookie and Joe, mm-hmm. like somewhere in there. So, mm-hmm. and Mookie, I don't think that I think that probably over Long, overrates a longevity play. So yeah, I, I'd say Joe, the combination Joe and Al are the two candidates yeah. for me. No, I'm with you. And that part of that's part of that's team success, and part of yeah. that is longevity. I mean, like you said, like the Kevin Matumbo was really good, but he only played for four, like four and a half years with the Hawks. Yeah. That's just what it is. Right. Pistol right. Pete too. Anyway, um, while we're in the middle of this, I'm gonna go to a quick break real quickly and tell people about the good folks at Postmates. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a full meal and a 12 pack, sometimes you just need to get what you need delivered and have it delivered fast. That's where Postmates comes in. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're still eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think, I can think of right to my door. But Postmates does not just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually make my life easier with grocery delivery and whatever I can think of delivery to. Convenience stores, clothing stores, you name it. And that feels particularly important to mention right about now. So no more trips to the store. No more late night fast food runs. Just rely on Postmates. Download Postmates on iOS or Android. Find your favorites and get virtually anything you need delivered within the hour. 
for a limited time, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use and use the code LOCKEDONNBA. That's code LOCKEDONNBA for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for the first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, just Postmate it. All right, Robbie, we, we've kicked it around a little bit, but uh, let's talk about Joe for a second. Please. Because when, when Joe arrived... Uh, mm-hmm. they, they gave up a, a big price. Joe was not an established star at this point. He was a, he was he was a fourth, fifth banana in Phoenix. He was good in that role and he, he averaged what 17 a game in his last season in Phoenix. But the Hawks yeah, gave really up two first round picks and, a, mm-hmm. and basically a max contract to sign and trade for this guy. And at the time, um, people won't remember this. Uh, you and I will. It even caused like an ownership rift, um, because half of the owners didn't want to do this and half of them did. And, uh, that that ownership group was a was a catastrophe from start to finish. Shout, but, shouts to uh, shouts to the Liberty. Uh, yeah, the Atlanta Spirit group had had, oh, some, Spirit, had, some, had some problems. Yeah. Uh, Liber- but anyway, Liberty's bad Braves ownership. Sorry, yes, I, I get them. <laughs> but the the ASG uh, that that was a fight. But at, at the end of the day, it worked out. Joe was really really good in Atlanta. Um, just mm-hmm. for people to people's reference, he was in Atlanta for uh, seven seasons. Uh, and he averaged 21 points a game. He was a, he was relatively efficient. He took a, he took on a lot of usage, and the team got better immediately when he arrived. Now, his first year, they didn't, his first two years actually, they, they didn't make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he, he it wasn't like he got there and all was solved. But they went from being catastrophic to competitive when Joe mm-hmm. got there. And then he was on the, he was on the team and the best player on the team offensively anyway, on three straight. You know, teams that made the, if you want to say the, the elite eight of the NBA, he made them. They won three. They won three, three years in a row. They made the playoffs and won, and won in the first round, and he was the face of those teams. So, I mean, Joe was really good. There you go. Yeah, I think I think the thing the thing for me with Joe is like you know he got ISO Joe and you know there's plenty of jokes and he was a uh, at times painfully methodical player on offense. Don't get me wrong. It was not always fun to watch. It was not always fun to watch, but he was he was actually like kind of ahead of his time as far as being pretty efficient, you know, like as a lead scorer. Like he was like as a, he could shoot. He was a good three point shooter and he shot a pretty high volume before that was like a huge thing people did uh, at that that kind of position. Like he was uh, he only had the funny thing is he, he had one year they shot terribly from three. 2010-11, he shot 29.7% from three, which is just like the weirdest outlier on his like career stats Yep, as a career 37% shooter. But uh, every other year, he shot over over 35% most years in the 38 range. And like uh, he was like I, – I, I guess he for me, like that was when – he came in end of my high school career and like uh, – when I was at Georgia state. So I used to, I used to go down all the time and watch those like 08, 09, 09, 10 years uh, before I started covering the team uh, in 2011. Like I would watch, I would go down and just watch a ton of those games. I think my favorite game that I was ever, I was at the, uh, the Josh Smith tip dunk game against the magic. Oh yeah. Um, an all timer for me. Uh, Cause I like, oh, call as well. Shouts to, shouts to Bob, who I'm sure is listening to this podcast. Shouts to Bob. Always shots about Joe who took seven steps before shooting that miss. Uh, <laughs> and, then, and then Josh coming out. And it was, it was so crazy. Cause I mean, like it, it's, it's funny back then the magic were the big bad boss for the Hawks. It I mean, wasn't, they got, they got the, I would argue the, one of the best teams in Hawks history, that 53 win team got swept by Orlando swept smoked. And like badly uh, lost by, well, I think like forty one in game one of that series. Yeah, they absolutely. They had it. no chance against Dwight. I mean, that was, and again, like when people ask, like, is Dwight a Hall of Famer? I'm like, do you? Do you ask remember a the, uh, the ask a Hawks fan? Yeah, ask a Hawks fan in the late 2000s, is Dwight Howard's a Hall of Famer? They'll let you know. Yeah, the Hawks had was, uh, no one that had an answer for him. No, Dwight's the reason we got all that Al Horford's not a center talk anyway. Uh, the, the original, yeah, the original Al Horford, not a center talk was mm-hmm. certainly was... some Dwight related later mm-hmm. on it was Tristan Thompson, but, uh, originally <laughs> it was originally it was Dwight in Orlando. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it's Joe, just for some, some stats to throw at everybody. Joe made six straight all-star games. 
Give them some numbers. Not not a small thing. Six straight All Star games. Now your efficiency point. People are going to shrug at this if they just look at the basketball reference page. He had fifty four percent true shooting in Atlanta, which is not like incredible. But if you adjust for the era, that mm-hmm. as a number one scorer and like a, a big <laughs> usage guy, that's actually pretty good. Like it's if it was now, be like ah, oh, he's not that efficient. But realize that this is not the offensive era that we are currently in. When yes. Joe, especially early on when Joe was around, like this is a more of a slog era. He was really efficient and really productive. And when he was younger, a pretty good defender. Well, he wasn't great, but he was like adequate. He was big and physical. And strong. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like he, him, he and, him, and Mar- him and Marvin together on like the wing, just kind of like really, really could get after guys. I mean, he, he made an all NBA team. Granted, it was the third team, but like I think consensus Joe was like a top 20 player in the league for mm-hmm. five, six years. Mm-hmm. And that's not, that's not nothing. I mean, he was a good player. That, and the thing is, that didn't happen for the Hawks. No, I mean the whole time. I mean, again, like and, and yeah, pre. I mean, the only time really during that whole run that the Hawks. I mean, during the whole since Neek run that the Hawks had a had a definite All Star was Matumbo, mm-hmm. and as we already said earlier, that was not a huge long run. That was basically no. two teams that were good in, the, in that era, and then the uh, the weird 50, 50 game lockout season. So two and a half teams that were good. And, you know, Mookie was good, Steve Smith was good, Jason Terry, Shreve Durahim. They had some good players, but no one that was like a year-in, year-out all-star until Joe. And then after that, it was Al. And, Al, and they sort of overlapped. But the fact that the Hawks had an all-star player for basically 10 straight seasons is like really outlier for Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they weren't. I know they only had the one year where they actually had a, a real contender situation. Right. But from Joe to Al to Paul, the last year of the playoff run, that 10 years, they had an all-star every season, mm-hmm. which is not nothing. I mean, a lot of teams don't have all-stars. <laughs> it's just what it is. Even in the it's East. True. It's true. Um, Joe's Salute to really Joe. Good. Salute to Joe. That's the, uh, that's the slow, that's the, that's the small caption. Now, we set this up a little bit earlier, but, you know, when they had Joe and Josh, um, mm-hmm. they made the playoffs never until Al got there. Correct. That's the funniest thing about this run. They got they get Al to add to this group, and then they and they take off. Now, 07-08 was the first year they made the playoffs, and they really weren't there yet. They snuck in. They were the eight seed, but they, by the end of the year, they they pushed Indiana. Now they weren't going to win that series, but they you know they were competitive. It was not like oh sorry that was that was Boston. I'm, I'm going I'm going crazy. Sorry, that was 07 they, they pushed was, Boston. Was Boston? They almost they pushed, took they pushed, out they the pushed champs. Right. I mean, that was that was Zaza's. That was that was uh, nothing easy. Zaza's nothing easy. Yeah, I had, I had everything, everything right except for the team they played because I'm an idiot. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But they they all run together. But yeah, they won 37 games. They, but, they did play they, the Pacers an awful lot. And they played the Pacers in the the, the other time when they were uh, eight seed. I yeah. think they were. That was the other time. Uh, and Bud's first season. That's what. That's yeah, Bud's first season. That. I remember that um, series. But yeah, the uh, the Celtics series was like. You know, no one thought they were going to win that series, but they went to mm-hmm. seven with the eventual champs, <laughs> and it can't be like completely ignored. But they were turned the, the corner the, by then. The point differential home and road in that series remains oh. one of the funniest things to look at. They lost by like was, thirty a game. In Boston. It was absolutely unbelievable, and that, that, that included Game Seven. Uh, it was a that was a weird weird time. But yeah, to, uh, let's. I'm just going to read the scores right now. Please. Uh, the first two games in Boston, they lose by twenty three and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And they come home, and they, they win by nine, they win by five. It's like, oh man, we're going back to Boston two two. Then 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 they lose by twenty five in Boston in game five. <laughs> they come home, they come home to Atlanta, win by three in game six, <laughs> and then they go back to Boston and lose by thirty four in game seven. And they, they scored sixty five points in that game. I mean, no one thought that they were going to win that game. But no. I, I remember, I, I remember exactly where I was watching that game, and that game was over in four minutes. It was. They scored sixty-five points in in an elimination game. Like they were they were down. They, this is their points per quarter. In like <laughs> 16, 10, 17, 22 in the fourth when it was already over. Ten points they, in the second quarter. They were down thirty-six the after. Score? They were down thirty-six after three. It was four. It was uh, it was forty-four twenty-six at the half. This is an, this is an NBA basketball game, folks. If you if you're young enough to remember to not remember, I should say this era of basketball. This is God an blessed. NBA playoff game where it was 44-26 at the half. At the end of the third quarter, I'm going to redo the score. It was 69 to 
33? No, 43. Nice. No, 79. Sorry, 79 to 43. I did, I did the math wrong. Yeah. 79. Things went awry in the third quarter. Anyway, uh, yeah, 35-17. Ugly. Um, regardless, though, like, they were they made the playoffs. And honestly, as, as funny as that series was and as memorable as it was in some weird ways, they hadn't made the playoffs since 1999. Mm-hmm. That is essentially like most of my formative basketball watching years Almost when, I knew, when I knew what I was watching. That was a nearly a decade. And for me, and I'm sort of uniquely, my age is this, that was from my freshman year of high school, essentially, until I was a senior in college. Yeah. They didn't win up. They didn't make the playoffs. And that's yeah. like, I mean, if people listen to this know that that, that is your central sports, you know, live and die time. Formative, when you're not working. Yeah. You're you're in school, and that's is what this is what you what you do. And I was going to a lot of games, particularly particularly in college, and they were bad for a long time. So when people make fun of you if you're an Atlanta fan, that you know they kind of made a big deal about making the playoffs ten years in a row. It was because they missed the playoffs nine years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> also, like making the playoffs ten years in a row, that's good. No, I mean like it got made fun of, but like at the time that was the second longest playoff streak in the NBA behind the Spurs, and that's you know. I get that that's not this huge landmark thing, but to be consistently competitive and to be pretty good that whole time, yeah, they got they got lucky twice and they had two playoff teams that were sub forty one teams. I get that, mm-hmm. but they still made the playoffs for a decade straight, and that's not a given. Like, look where the Hawks have been now. The last three seasons, the Hawks have been a sub thirty one basketball team three years in a row, mm-hmm. and it's been fun. It's been more fun than some other teams would have been because you have Trey Young and you have some hope. But cough sixteen they, seventeen. Yeah, that team was that team was brutal. The last play, the last playoff team was not fun. I'll tell you that right now. But you know, you're still making the playoffs versus like yeah. the last three years. I've been planning my calendar around knowing I'm going to be doing draft coverage in mid-April because you just know that you're not going to make the playoffs. It's just a different team to watch and evaluate when the expectation is that whole time and they and they lived up to it for the most part. Let's make the playoffs and we'll see what happens. And it was like they lost in the first round of a year. They made, they made, they won a playoff series in five of the ten times, at least mm-hmm. one playoff series. Like that's yep. not nothing. Nope. Anyway, soapbox off. But it's a good rant. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's a good but rant. I mean, I the whole it. time. I mean, we, we talked about this before, but you know, you have Al Horford as the as the guy that kind of bridged the gap. But when they were at their best. You had some. You had multiple star level players too. That's the thing that we talked about a little bit last time on the about fourteen fifteen. Is that the talent level, I think, was underrated on all of these teams. For mm-hmm. instance, the, the fifty three win team, their best record other than the sixty win team in twenty in two thousand nine two thousand ten, they had, they had they had Joe Johnson, Josh Smith, Al Horford, Marvin Williams was a solid fourth piece. And then you had then you had Jamal Crawford and Mike Bibby. So you had six like real players, correct on that team. And then the lockout team, which I want to ask you about now, the 2011-12 season, I've been talking about this forever now, but that was the last year of Joe and Marvin, but that was the only time that they really had the whole team together. They had Jeff, they had had young Jeff Teague, Joe, Marvin, Josh Smith, and Al Horford all on the same team, starting together. You still had Kirk Heinrich, you had Tracy McGrady on that team, by the way, people forget about that. Uh, noted, Noted, hated locker room presence. Yeah, T-Mac. T-Mac was on the way out of the league. T-Mac was uh, not beloved. But he was okay. Like, he actually played okay on he that actually, team. Well, and that was part of the problem, is he would get yeah. mad. I remember he scored, like, 17 one night, and, like, it was one of the best. And, like, so this is the first season I covered uh, the team. And he had 17 one night or something like that. And uh, in, like, limited minutes, got him a win. And then, like, was just, like, going at it in uh in post game <laughs> talking about how he should be playing more minutes and all this he was and and the funniest thing is uh stackhouse was on that team and so uh stack sat in the corner two seats down from from t-mac and uh t-mac gets done and then t-mac's kind of putting all of this stuff on and, and getting ready to leave and uh we go go over talk stack because like i mean he wasn't playing but Hey man, like that's like the best quote the Hawks have ever had in the locker room is Jerry Stackhouse. This, this, this is thirty-seven-year-old Jerry Stackhouse, but oh, old as hell. Yeah. Didn't care about playing, um, and he's he just like uh, he just started, and then he just 
stares at T-Mac while he tells us, like, some people just got to learn to embrace their role. This is a good team. You got to do what the team needs you to do and play when you play and be quiet when you don't. He's just staring at Tracy. And, like, I was between them, and I felt very awkward. And I was like, okay, okay. I've had a few few of those uh, awkward moments. Okay. Um, Uh, But here's here's the thing. I felt very safe because I was like, uh, nobody's messing with Stack. Oh, no. No one on earth. Nobody, no, no, no one, especially someone that's been around the league as long as Tracy, is going to be dumb enough to try to step to stack. No, so, you, would, you would need an Ivan Johnson level crazy person to step in Jerry Stackhouse. Ivan was be, in that, on that, that team. That would be the only one. Yeah, Ivan was, on, was on that team. Close personal friend, Ivan Johnson. But no, I mean, that, that, that team, I mean, and this is what I want to say about like why yeah, I, I would pick that team as the best team. And it's because, okay. it's because. Al got hurt too. And I think if Al hadn't been hurt and Al missed 55 to 66 games that year, yep. if Al hadn't been hurt, they would have gone, I don't know, 45 and 21 or something. Yeah. Like they were already, they were already good. This is the team that they had the second best, um, win percentage of the era behind, well, third best behind the 61 team and the 53 one team. But that's with Al Horford playing one sixth of the season. Yeah. And they were loaded. That was the one time that really, of Joe's era that they actually had the roster to like really mess with some of the best teams. Now they lost to Boston. They lost to Boston in the first round. So it's a first round exit, but it's a first round exit in that need that needs context. Number one, it's like number one thing they didn't have Al until game three. No, sorry. Game four of the playoffs. And he Mm -hmm. hadn't played since January. So this is someone coming. Imagine if that happened now, someone coming in cold, having not played for four months in game four of a playoff series in the first round. That yeah. happened. And this is a Boston team that had Pearson, Garnett, and Allen on it. It wasn't like this is like some random four seed Boston team. Like they yeah. were the four seed, but like that that team had Pearson, KG, and Ray Allen on it. So yeah. that's not a bad loss in the first round. They went to seven. Was it six? Whatever it was, six or seven. I'm looking at it now. But uh, six. But still, like, I, I know it's like, oh, if, you, if you're just looking at that basketball reference page, it's like, oh, they lost in the first round. I can't be, that can't be true. It's like, well, they didn't have they didn't have what I would describe as at minimum their third best player in Al Horford mm-hmm. at that point. I know he was young, but you can't tell me he was not better than at least everybody but Joe and Josh. And then you bring him back in the middle of a playoff series against the, you know, legendary Celtics team. And they were just really good. I mean, the bench was good. Willie Green was good that year. Willie Green just, was good. Kirk Heinrich was good. Vlad Rodmanovich uh, was randomly pretty good that year. Vlad Rad shot the shit out of it, man. Yeah, Sorry, so it's not it's it's fine. <laughs> We're okay. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's that was the one team that I'll take this in my grave. I kind of joked about it on Twitter a couple weeks ago, but you know, you could convince me of just about anything. Now, were, were they going to beat LeBron in the Heat? No, they weren't. I don't think because LeBron in the Heat no. were really good. But you could talk me into this being a conference finals team. Sure, Ivan was really good that year off the bench. If Al had been healthy and they would not have played Boston without home court in the first round. Like they, I think they would have made a run. Now, again, they would not have beaten LeBron because that's that's the buggy that's the uh, boogeyman for everybody in the Eastern Conference for this whole decade. But Correct. That team is violently underrated, and it's because Al got hurt. If, they, if Al hadn't been hurt that whole year, I, I believe that was like a high fifties level win team on a on a win on a one percentage basis. That was, that, that was the lockout season, so it was a short right. season. But I think the combination of it being the lockout season and that injury is like people just don't remember that team. And that team was good, like really good. Yeah, I, I guess I would go with the 09-10 team. That's the other contender. Um, I would go with that because I think that was the better iteration of Joe. Yeah, Joe was definitely better then, no question. And I think that was the better. I think and and I think that was arguably the best iteration of Josh. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't, I mean, I have no beef with that. Josh was in his athletic prime. He was 24. He was efficient. He wasn't shooting threes. That was the season famously. He didn't, shoot threes, he didn't shoot threes. Um, you got it. Also, you know, Al, Al was, Al was spectacular. Yeah. And it Al, was, and it was the J Craw year. I was like, going to say, that's, I, the, I think, the other, that's the other factor is that they had a guy in Crawford that could legitimately be a number, the other guy that could create his own offense. Which yeah. I, so like, so. I, I would say. I would say that team, even if obviously the bugaboo point was the fact that they had Mike Bibby at point guard, who wasn't he, bad, but he was he just was like not his, he was himself. just not a point guard. 
Like no, I was gonna say that was that was he was older. He was not the guy. People think about Bibby of like the Kings Bibby, and that was not him. Right. He was already no, Bibby, old. Bibby was third on the team in assists. Like that's not what you want. No, from your point guard that starts. He was still a valid upgrade from the Anthony Johnson Toronto. Oh no doubt. Era, no, don't, but uh, don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. Not, but I'm just saying, like that was that was by far the the weak link, and then yes. uh, the other weak link was having to face uh, peak Dwight Howard. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I, I would lean that team just because I think it was the better iteration of Joe and Josh. And honestly, Al was unbelievable, even though he was 23 years old and in his what, third season in the league. Yeah, uh, he played. They, they, won, they, won a, they won a series. He played 35 minutes a game in 81 games. Him and him and uh, Josh both played 35 per game for 81 games. They were real. They were really healthy, and I mean, and he almost averaged a double double. The on one efficiency. Yeah, they, they weren't going to beat Orlando, and that, that Orlando team was very good. But they won, they won a playoff series that year, mm-hmm. and they beat the Bucks in seven. And they That's got like legendary Maurice, legendary <laughs> Maurice Evans, Mo Evans, baby, Mo uh, buckets. I'm looking at the box score. I'm looking at the, the stats from the Orlando series again. I don't. Please. Uh, here's just here's a couple things. Let's uh, have some fun. Hawks legend Vince Carter was the number two scorer for that Orlando team in the playoffs in that series. Sure. Average, average 18 a game as a 33-year-old against the Hawks. Um, That's a young spry 33. Spry 33-year-old. And uh, for the Hawks, that was Joe's worst series as a Hawk. Yes. Joe shot 30% from the floor and 18% from three in that series. Yes. So if you tell me that's going to happen, you don't you don't beat anybody. Joe was nope. by far their number one offensive player at that point, and uh, everybody else everybody else was actually was actually okay. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not Marvin. Marvin wasn't very good either. But um, they, yeah, they ran into a buzzsaw. But I'm with you. I, I think those are the two answers that can be given. I won't listen to anything Agreed. else. I think 15, 16 is a different era anyway. Kind of. That's the yes. third team. But even then, they had some injuries and they weren't quite the same. Uh, team as they were the previous year so right yeah I'll, I'll go to my grave wondering what would have happened if al didn't get hurt in that lockout season but i think you might be right too i don't know Those that's the- i mean that that season was incredibly fun to, to to cover also like oh man uh these are all really good teams and like i remember getting tickets for like eight dollars to see them oh i mean it's funny now that we talk about it's a talking point. I try not to do it. Try not to do a lot of it now. It's better that since they got Trey, the you know the the first year the the de- the first year post playoffs when they had it was the Dennis Torian team and there was just nobody there and it was it was a dark place. That is dire. They're they're drawing more now. Um, and sure. rightly so. They're more. And they should. But it, it is a it is a reminder that being good does not mean you fill that building up because no. And it was the it was the big that was when like I remember having just never any conversations about like what do they need to do and like the first thing was i remember it being like people were super excited that 0809 year and then they lost in the first round again and i think 910 was probably the year that i remember the most excitement pre 1415 um they won 53 games that would make because sense. they felt and they like I know we 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 go back and we were like okay who felt like a real contender like they felt like a contender, um, and I just I really think that series losing that badly, yeah, stomped out excitement for an entire era. Honestly, the next five years nobody cared. Well, that, because, that team went so well too. Like everyone was healthy. They played really yeah. well all year long. And to you know, we joked and about Joe it. Joe had to, a bad to get series. annihilated that bad. And it wasn't like you just lost. Like that no, Cleveland you lost series. Like 20. The Cleveland Conference Final Series gets made fun of all the time. They almost won Game Three on the road. They went to right. overtime. Like they were at least competitive in most of the not Game Four, but the first three games they were at least competitive. They didn't play well, but it wasn't like they were like, like the game was over at halftime. Mm-hmm. That Orlando series, they got annihilated. Like it, it was, was non-competitive. So bad. And um, without injuries. They were all healthy, too. It wasn't like there was like, oh, Joe's out for right. the series. That's why. Nope. No, they were just getting killed. dusted. And and I think I, I, that was that was a real turning point. Because, like, from a coverage point standpoint of excitement from, like, local stuff and from just buzz in the arena, like, there were moments that were that were still really cool. I mean, like, the, the Mike Scott game is always one that I remember. Um, against Indiana, 
but they're just, I don't know. Like I, I think there's just this, this wall that got put up on any team with that core. Um, that was just like, we're just not going to buy in. It was a full see and see it to believe it. And like, they never got past the semis and it, it was, it was kind of sad uh, because that was, and, and you know, we joke about the highlight factory and stuff like that, but like, what a, it, what, what a great name for an arena. True. Tremendous. It's tremendous. A, it, it is a joke now, but uh, I've been trying to bring Danny it back. Ferry, not a fan. I've been trying to, I've been trying to tell PR to bring it back. Yeah, I, no, I'm, we need I'm, to. I'm, I'm on a campaign. You've, you've, yeah, you've inspired we're gonna me. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pulling, uh, I'm going back channels to try to get, like, yeah, dude. Hey, Steve Coonan, Highlight Factory back. I mean, you have Trey Young. Who's more of a Highlight Factory than Trey Young? That's what I'm saying. It was, it was initially like the Josh Smith thing, but. You have Trey Young and John Collins. They get Trey. It is the Highlight Factory. I mean, plus, plus, honestly, it it works better when you're bad. And they've been bad the last two years. Yes. It would have worked better because they, they th- that was the one appeal was that we had this awesome player who makes a lot of highlights and this number two guy who makes a lot of highlights. Highlight factory, it's time. Now don't now, don't do a playoff guarantee. That did, that didn't go very well back in the uh in the early portion. I still have my I still have my playoff guarantee shirt I went and found it the other day. Oh no. I was uh, talking to uh Bob from uh Peachtree Hoops and we uh he, he pulled his out as well. He has a towel from that era that has a playoff guarantee on it. It's in Gold Pros. I have a somewhere. I have a towel that says Highlight Factory. I think because Lloyd, uh, Lloyd almost it was it wasn't quite a playoff guarantee, but he kind of he kind of leaned in that direction uh, a few weeks ago before the uh, hiatus. Before all oh yeah, about next ended. season. About next season, he kind he kind of leaned mm. in that direction. I was like, oh, don't do it, don't do it, no, Lloyd. It didn't go so well last not. time <laughs> when they were Put literally. Put on a shirt. And pe- my pe- people, my people, my, I'm sure young people don't remember this, but uh, the Hawks did a playoff guarantee. And we're offering refunds on season tickets. Not not full, but like there's a partial refund plan. I have to go find the actual well, the actual wording. But if you bought season tickets that year and they didn't make the playoffs, they were offering some of your money back. It was that kind of uh, absurdity, and it, it didn't it didn't go well at all. <laughs> they did not make the playoffs. Spoiler alert that season. So, oh my goodness, it makes for good memories though. I'll it does, it does. But uh, I guess yeah. I mean, like I remember just the the internal conversations about like what's it gonna take to get people fired up and like i was like they either gotta win a lot 14 15 or they just it's gotta be a complete new roster because the people are just scarred with this core like they just they couldn't they and like understandably so like it got monotonous it was you know it's like late in that braves run where they just kept making playoffs and didn't get anywhere. Well, especially when, at least in that run, you could have in baseball you talk yourself into to, to, into a team making a run. For for a lot of that run, we knew they were going to win the title. Well, that was the other, th- and that was the other thing, especially eleven, twelve. I mean, like during the the Heatles era, the Big Three era, like there was just, there was a very clear endpoint <laughs> um, in the Eastern Conference. And and that that again, I think that's why the fourteen fifteen season, like I said on on the last pod, felt different. Is with LeBron going back to Cleveland and a lot of uncertainty there. There actually felt like there there wasn't necessarily, as we learned, there was the big bad boss at the end of the road, but it felt like there was maybe a defeatable one uh, for the first time in a while. And, and so, you know, we went it, it went from all right, can can you get past Dwight? And then all of a sudden it was like. No. And then it was, can you get past, oh, cool, LeBron and the Heat are here. And I was like, oh, all right. No thanks. Uh, no thanks. So, yeah, b- bad luck with uh, in-division teams from Florida. Yeah, that's that's unequivocally true. I mean, it was still a heck of a run. That's what I always want people it was to remember great. about this. Like, no, it, it really good. was. I know it wasn't the most, like, you know, nationally flashy kind of thing, aside from that one season, but, you know. There's it's it's okay to be boring when you're good as well. Like, I don't know. I, I get why people. I, I sometimes like get why people weren't on board with it all the way, and I also sure. wish they were, because they were yeah, actually same. good. And I mean, yeah, there were there were leaner times. Like, there's a reason why Larry Drew got fired at the yeah. end of his third season is because they weren't that good, and yeah. they had, and they they needed to go in a different different direction, and that helped to you know Danny Ferry um, for all of his other flaws built a ridiculously efficient good roster mm-hmm. that made the team in 1415 happen. Um, 
and you ne- they needed to do some professional stuff in the front office because you know Billy Knight was ahead of his time as we always talk about but Billy Knight had some issues as well he was not the greatest GM in the world he had some good yeah. foresight on some on some things but you know they kind of salvaged through bad ownership and and some bad GM work and still made it all work because they actually had good players and a reasonable system and Mike Woodson did a good job yeah I mean it was like it's kind of one of those things where and, and this is this is always how it goes right in sports it's like you know until until it's gone, you don't really appreciate it. Um, and so I think I think now going through the rebuild again and going through like, okay, we're trying to build that roster and we're trying to find these guys. And, um, you know, like you, like you said, like right now it, it, it's fun with Trey, but at the same time we're, we're starting to get to that point where fans are going to get itchy. Uh, and apparently Lloyd Pierce is getting itchy to, to talk about playoffs. Uh, folks wanting to talk about playoffs this year. Um and even when we're like, yeah, pump the brakes a little bit. Um, and it's just, you start itching for that, that same thing that you had. And I think now is a time uh, when you look back on, on that, that Woody and, and, and LD era, and you can kind of be like, oh man, they they were actually, they were actually like pretty fun and, and really good to watch. Like, and just brought this franchise something that it hadn't had in nearly a decade, which is some stability and some kind of identity. Um, and I think, and, and without that, you don't get the Bud era because they needed that foundation. They needed Al and Jeff and those, those kinda, are the bridge guys. I mean, they were able to do it without rebuilding in the middle because yeah. of Al and right. Jeff to and a certain as well. But you know that was the you know Al was the only guy that was like a a hugely prominent member of all those teams. Like yeah. Jeff was a as a was a pure supporting piece early in his career and became sure. a good player and became an all star. Sure. And Al was good from moment one, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but like, but again, and again with Jeff, like you don't. Jeff was also stymied by the fact that that uh, didn't have a lot of help from from uh, his veterans on the roster. I mean, Teague is uh, flat out Jeff Teague, like Hawks Jeff Teague is vilely underrated. Yes. No, I'm just I'm just making a joke. I, I, I know you know Maybe that. I, 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 I wanted to make sure that I said it out loud. Like Jeff, sure. Hawks Jeff Teague. Yeah, he was like a you know top fifteen point guard most of that run, and a little bit better than that probably in his All Star season. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, Jeff was just a good, solid starting point guard for the duration in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he's not that guy now, and, you know, it is what it is. But it, it, I think he gets lost in the shuffle to some degree because he was never better than the third fourth, fourth, third or fourth guy on his team. But, right. like, he was a league average starter or better for mm-hmm. six years in Atlanta, probably, something like that. And this so, says a lot about the, it says a lot about the team that – he was the third best player, fourth best player, and was a league average starting point guard. You look at most teams in the league, if you have the 13th to 17th best point guard in the league, that's probably one of your second best players on a lot of teams. Um, and so, you know, the Hawks were always kind of poked fun of and, and for not having that that superstar player. And part of that was violently underrating guys like Al Horford. Um and part of that was, I mean, they, they didn't have that transcendent star ever. Uh, but I think when you look back on these rosters, you kind of realize like, oh, there was pretty good depth of talent for like a decade, which doesn't happen a lot. Like that's hard to do because it's hard to maintain depth to a certain level. Like, I mean, we, we can laugh and be like, oh, the legend, you know, Mario West and stuff like that. But oh yes, um, heroic work, spot defense, the originator. Um, I mean, Mario West. Just for people that don't know, that don't know this, they used they literally used to bring Mario West in as a one possession defender. That was his mm-hmm. entire role. Like at the end of, mm-hmm. at the end of clocks, yeah, and quarters. That was his entire NBA role. Incredible. It was it was really an incredible time to be alive. Go beast, by the yeah, way. Go be, yeah, go be, go beast. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you this before we get out of here. Um, yeah. Other than Mario West, give me an obscure. Uh, Hawks favorite from that time, and it can't be Ivan either because you've already. Oh about. well, see that's not fair. No Ivan, no Mario because you, you you just gave Mario away. Man, uh, I mean, Ivan's I probably did. the answer. I know, but I mean, uh, of course, Ivan's the answer. Like, it's a ridiculous question. Um, <laughs> oh, I love it. man, I... oh, I got you. I got you caught right now. It's great. 
Yeah, no, I uh, I will go. I'll go first. Please. You can you can keep uh you can keep racking your brain. Um we we referenced we referenced him a bit earlier. Uh I, I know I know who you should Oh, he, never mind. That's, that, he's not the LDR so you can't you can't you can't use Para. Um No, I can't. I was going to say I have a uh I had a I had a a big time fondness. Oh, I, I know I have two options. I'm trying to decide which one I want to say out loud. This is great great audio. This is tremendous um, podcasting. It really is. That people were probably curious about who we're, who we're going to say. Um, Mario would have been a good one. I am going to say, oh, <laughs> that actually stopped me in my tracks. I don't even, I'm, not even, I'm not even sure how to respond to that. That's inc- that's incredible. Your guy Pop C. Not even sure how to respond to Pop C. Uh, an internet favorite during that time. <laughs> <Sorry>. Um. <laughs> That was great. Uh, I am going to say the guy that I have a fondness for is Anthony Morrow. Amo. Amo is my guy. Anthony um, Morrow is one of the best shooters I've ever seen in my life. And he couldn't do no, anything else. Like literally no, anything. no, no. Okay. I got, I got two. Um, yeah, I got two. The first... The first who, and this is this is just a guy that again like was a guy I always like to kind of talk with in the locker room. Uh, Gennaro Pargo. Oh, nice. Gennaro he Pargo. Played, he actually played a lot too for a little. And bit. he played a lot. He was he was a solid second third uh, point guard. Um, big. I, I always like Gennaro a lot. Um, just just chatting. And uh, and and my guy, Anthony Tolliver. Pop Vitali. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say Tali. I had a feeling uh, there we were got, guys. We got to. There were some guys that I uh, I loved I like to... that I never spoke to. Like I almost said Salim Stoudemire. Oh wow! Um, I am a uh, I'm a deep cut Salim Stoudemire supporter because okay. he's someone he is someone who I I firmly believe would have been a thing now. Mm-hmm. Like he thought he wouldn't have sure. been good, but he sure. would have been a much better player in the current era than he was in the era that he played in because Salim could flat out shoot. He was mm-hmm. really small, but he could really shoot. Mm-hmm. Um. And I didn't cover him, but he's around now. Like I, he's always, he's kind of always around the arena. I don't really know mm-hmm. why. Maybe he has a role that I don't know of. But okay. I, I feel like I sleep. I feel like I see Salim like frequently. And he doesn't know okay. me at all. We don't like talk, but I just see him. Like that. Uh, so that, that was the other one that I was weighing against uh, saying. Just okay. I firmly, I, I always liked him going back to college, and he was a fun, he was a fun guy to watch when he had it going. Also, shout to Shelvin Mack. Oh yeah. I just Shelvin was that. a hero. Shelvin was a key part of the uh, the best team in Hawks history. He was the third point guard, but he played a lot. In he fact, lot. Shelvin had a three in the air to tie it in uh, Game Three of the Eastern Conference Finals in, in overtime. He missed it, but it's okay. Actually, he it's had true. two. He had two in the final minute that he missed, but that's okay. I like it's Shelvin. Fair. I think Shelvin was violently oh. underrated when he played. He was not good for very long. But uh, if I, we're I picking, if him. we're picking somebody from like the pre the pre me covering the team era, I think he was only on the team uh, the lockout year. Um, shouts to Jason Collins. Yeah, Jason Collins is a legend. Real solid. So that was uh that was our remembering some guys. That was our hour long roundup of the uh, of the era that was the Mike Woodson. Shocked you didn't say era. Morris. Uh, we we didn't talk about Speedy Claxton at all, which bothers me. Speedy Claxton Cla- 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 now. And uh, the other guy that I can't believe we didn't mention is Flip Murray. Oh. Because he was a promise of, of those god awful Hawks teams. Oh um, yeah, he was. Well, you said we didn't want to talk about those years. I mean, That's, this is your fault. Should but we, we but can do an early two thousand. To be fair, no. But episode. to be fair, Flip Murray was on a Mike Woodson coached Hawks team. I mean, yeah, but you said we okay. weren't going to talk about the lean years. We won't. This we is, won't. Don't blame me for this. Maybe maybe we'll do that again when NBA basketball still still not being played in September. Maybe we'll come back yeah. and talk about the year. No, we'll just, we'll just, we'll like just run it back. Period. We'll do a we'll whole just, show on the Terry Stotts era. It'll be great. Sure. Let's just we'll just, we'll just remember the, guys. The long Royal, era with Robbie Cowan. Royal Ivy. You think people actually realize that Long Kruger coached Trey Young in college and also coached the Hawks? Uh, I mean, like I do, but you think people realize that Terry Stotts coached the Hawks for a year and a half? Probably not. Terry Stotts Most is like a don't. good NBA coach. And Terry, not Terry Stotts, current player. current good NBA coach and uh, former not good NBA coach. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that you know there was a there was a four full season period where Lon Kruger and Terry Stotts coached the Hawks. Uh, Lon Kruger is like 
a like borderline Hall of Fame college coach, like a really good college coach, and then that didn't work out well. And then Terry Stotts was like a laughing stock in Atlanta, and now has been like a above average NBA coach for half a decade. So yeah, weird era, alas. All right, Robbie. Well, thank you for joining me, my friend. We will uh, talk again soon, I'm sure, both online yes. and off. Anything uh, to plug over at the uh, the old dime, Uprox Sports? NFL draft stuff, ramping up. It's time, Big boards. baby. Big boards, mocks, they're everywhere. We are less than two weeks away. We are getting dialed, so come stop by for Caesar draft Ruiz. stuff. Uh, I need some space to work on Cesar Ruiz, so if, you, if, you, if, you need, if you've got, you got anything you need on that, I'm uh, he's the one guy in the first round that I could probably talk to you. Please. And inform you of I saw every every Please, snap of Caesar's career. I think two thousand so, words on the big fella. I, I heard you slandering. I, I not you. I heard I heard Tom slandering Caesar Ruiz on the podcast, and I was outraged. So <laughs> he just Tom Tom doesn't. He's not slandering Caesar Ruiz. I was just a, I was most lineman. upset. I was most upset that he uh, would disparage interior lineman that way. Yeah, it hurt. Uh, it hurt me. It hurt me a little bit. I was but, like Steve yeah. Hutchinson did not die for this, nor nor did yeah. he at all. But. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the punt cast. We're we're back. It's really great content. I, I saluted all three of you. I talked to Chip a little bit. It was uh, great, great return to glory for the punt cast. Back. Subscribe we're just to that. Doing stuff. Who knows? Who knows what we're gonna talk about? Subscribe to that, and then go to uprocks.com/sports to click on all the links. That's all we ask. <laughs> just, just. I don't even care if you read it. Just open them up. <laughs> all of them. Yes, please. Keep it's lean. It's lean times. Do the same at Peachtree. Yeah, we're all struggling, but we'll do, we're, support, we're all doing what we can. Support your your lovely websites. We would yeah, one more it. time. Tuesday morning, I wrote something about the 2014-15 Hawks in coordination with Mike Prada, good friend of the program. We love Mike. Oh, uh, he wrote, he's doing this best. whole uh, his, this whole package on the best teams that never won a championship. And uh, I had to do one nomination, and uh, you might be shocked to know it was 14-15. So there you go. That'll be up on Peachtree on Tuesday morning. Thank you, Robbie. A pleasure as always, sir. Subscribe to the podcast, tell all your friends about it, and we'll see you everybody next time.